As exciting and wonderful as it is at the end of any major sporting event to see the team or the person celebrating on the field or whatever field of play they have, perhaps the most emotional part after a sporting event is when the team or the person receives the trophy or the medal. As excited as they were to have won, now they have something tangible, something to hold on to, something that will always mark them in a way as a champion. I've been thinking a lot about this lately because, as most of you know, I'm from St. Louis and the Blues won the Stanley Cup, which was, came out of nowhere. It was awesome. Uh, very exciting because they were for my entire life up until these last few weeks the epitome of futility. And so it was really beautiful to see them win. It was awesome. But it was even cooler to see them and to see the joy they have with the Stanley Cup, with that trophy, with that tangible reminder. In the last few days, a number of the players have started, and this is one of the cool things about the Stanley Cup, every player gets the Stanley Cup for a day. And a number of them have taken it home. And all of a sudden you see this success building upon success. You see these players going to the coach who taught them how to skate, or to the grandparents who took them to the rink at some ungodly hour of day or night. You see how they came from all different backgrounds. You see that little things led to bigger things led to the ultimate success. And it's just such a beautiful reminder. And at the moments of our greatest success, it's a great and perfect and wonderful opportunity to set back and to ask ourselves the critical questions. What got me here? Who helped me along the way? Why me. And when we start to ask these critical questions, when we start to really dive into it, we see patterns develop in our own successes and in the successes of other people. Yes, the particulars are unique to the person, but patterns develop, right? Almost anyone who's had any sort of earthly success has had to start with something small, something basic, and they've built upon that. They've had natural talent, but they've still had to work very hard. Not only that, but they've had to overcome and endure sometimes very difficult obstacles and challenges. They've had to have a laser-like focus on the goal and make incredible sacrifices for that. St. Paul even mentions this in one of his letters where he mentions how the athletes make all of this sacrifice for this earthly crown. But as he reminds us then, and we're challenged today, we're also challenged to remind ourselves that we are not here to pursue the earthly crown. We are here for the joy, the peace, the crown that lasts forever, that only God himself can give. When we start to look back on earthly success, we are also challenged to look into the heavenly success, the graces in our life. The very first word of the very first reading from today, rejoice. Rejoice with Jerusalem. We oftentimes get so overwhelmed by the challenges and the struggles, and they are real in this world. We can forget or overlook the power of what happens when we come together in prayer at Mass. That God himself makes himself manifest. He comes down to us. He turns bread and wine into his very self and offers that to us. Rejoice with Jerusalem. 
But even in this joy, let's take the chance, let's take the time to step back and ask ourselves, how do we get there? Who has helped us along the way? Why me? At the very end of the gospel today, we hear or we see the the, uh, 72 coming back rejoicing. But in the meantime, and there's a couple of verses that are taken out, Jesus warns the people who failed to really and adequately reflect upon the miracles wrought in their midst. There's this great line, Woe to you, Chorazon, right? Woe to you for missing the signs and wonders wrought in your midst. And so we are challenged to recognize the work of God, but also to step back and see how do we go How do we go from where we are to be with Him, to the perfection, to heaven, to which we are all called? And if we turn to the life and writings of St. Paul, we see, and this is utterly necessary and important for us to understand in our Christian life, that the pattern that leads us from where we are or where we start to being with God forever in heaven is that God always makes the first step. The first move is always God's. God goes to Saul. God came to each and every one of us in our baptism. The first move is always the gratuitous and marvelous act of love that God has for each of you. Because you're created with a unique act of love. You're held in being with a unique act of love. The next step in this pattern is God moves in our heart and then we follow after. The 72 had made a choice. They had encountered the person of Jesus Christ and had decided to follow after. They had responded to his move with a move of their own in response. This is what we are all called to. In the second reading, St. Paul says, I am crucified to the world and the world is crucified to me. We must have skin in the game. We must make the choice for Christ. He must be the center of our entire life. When I was a teenager, there were these bracelets, and many of you probably remember them, WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? And they were quite kitsch, but they were popular. But that was a great reminder or an opportunity and a challenge to start to challenge young people to think in every moment of your life is Jesus Christ and following after him the reason you are doing what you are doing. That is a real challenge. Are you praying every day? Are you going to Mass every Sunday? Are you going to confession regularly? Do you love and serve the poor? Do you give sacrificially to them and to the church? Jesus needs to be the center of your life. Just as little kids were taught to skate all over the world and became Stanley Cup champions, we need to learn the fundamentals. And the fundamental is this, the person of Jesus Christ. Does my life image Jesus Christ on the cross? Do I, like St. Paul, bear the marks of Jesus on my body? And then, and this is the next step, we go forward. But here's the important piece. The 72, yes, they had followed Jesus. Yes, they went after him, but they were imperfect. In Jesus' great hour of need on the cross, they abandoned him. So it doesn't mean that we can only go forward to proclaim the kingdom of God, to share our faith, to share what Christ is doing in our life if we are perfect. 
If this were so, no priest would ever be able to get up into a pulpit and preach, myself included, to the nth degree. We cannot go because we're perfect. We go because we are sent. We go because, as we heard in the psalm today, let all the earth cry out to God with joy. In order for that to happen, you and I need to share the joy that God has put into our lives. Parents, share your faith. Share your testimony with your children. If you have a friend who doesn't know how important Jesus Christ is in your life and how much your faith means to you, you need to invite him, to invite her into that beautiful life. You need to go. You need to proclaim the message. You need to share what God has done with you. And then you need to marvel and rejoice in the signs and in the wonders. But when you get there, when you, like the 72, recognize what God is doing in the world, you have to turn back and recognize that the only reason we're there is not because we've worked hard, not because I've done all of this, but because God loves me and God has written my name in heaven. Each one of us has been blessed beyond measure. As beautiful and marvelous a trophy as the Stanley Cup is, you have infinitely more. You are God's chosen son. You are God's beloved daughter. Rejoice with Jerusalem. Go and share that with the world. For the kingdom of God is at hand.